we got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Before the grand jury? I, you know, I don't talk about anything J6 related. Do you feel like it's appropriate, the, the investigation? What I will say in watching that video is that looks to me like somebody who's cooperating with the federal government. And that to me, Mark Meadows looks to me like a federal witness under a cooperation agreement. And I, my guess is that's what we're going to find out he is. That's former U.S. attorney and current Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie speculating on why Donald Trump's former chief of staff was so tight lipped yesterday. And that comes as special counsel Jack Smith's grand jury is expected to meet again today in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, a surprise yesterday in a Delaware courtroom where Hunter Biden pleaded not guilty to federal charges after his plea deal fell apart. We'll explain what happened and what could happen next. And also ahead, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is called out by a member of his own party for putting far-right priorities ahead of actual legislative duties. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early on this Thursday, July 27th. I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for starting your day with us. And it likely will be a very busy day here in Washington, D.C. The number of indictments against Donald Trump could soon eclipse the number of impeachments against him, with special counsel Jack Smith's grand jury scheduled to reconvene today in the nation's capital. According to three sources, Trump's legal and political teams are preparing for the possibility that the panel will indeed vote today on whether to charge the former president for his alleged efforts to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election. Now, the sources say that Trump has not been given any notification from the DOJ that an indictment is coming today. But given that the grand jury is expected to meet and that it's been more than a week since the former president received a target letter, his aides are taking steps to prepare for an impending indictment. We, of course, will have complete coverage throughout the show and all day long here on MSNBC. But now, Another in a huge story, a surprise turn of events as Hunter Biden pleaded not guilty to federal tax charges yesterday after a plea deal that he had struck with the government unraveled when the judge there raised questions about the terms of that agreement. The unexpected development came during a hearing in a federal court in Wilmington, Delaware. Hunter Biden had been expected to plead guilty to two charges of failure to pay taxes under a deal that he struck with the federal government last month. U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Norica pressed both sides about the terms of the agreement and U.S. Attorney David Weiss of Delaware, who was prosecuting the case. Both Judge Norica and Weiss, we should point out, are Trump appointees. At times, the judge appeared almost upset that she was believed that she believed she was being asked to quote to act as a quote rubber stamp for the deal for President Biden's son. She expressed concern about how 
two separate deals, one regarding the unpaid taxes and the other about a gun possession charge potentially intersected, as well as her purview over them. The judge said she worried that the agreement on the tax charges did not give her the authority to reject or modify the deal and that the gun charge agreement could shield Hunter Biden against further prosecution over his financial and tax issues. The judge added that it was possible all of those terms could be adopted, but she wanted both sides to give her more information about their reasoning for her to study further before coming to any sort of decision. The parties will reconvene later to hammer out the terms and provide the judge with more information, which could be within the next six or so weeks. Hunter Biden is expected to reverse his plea if a new agreement or the new information eventually satisfies the judge, meaning he would plead guilty again as part of a deal. Joining us now, state attorney for Palm Beach County, Florida, Dave Ehrenberg. Dave, pretty head-spinning day there in the uh, courthouse in Delaware. Uh, let's just get your reaction to it and particularly focus in on the judge's objections. What's your analysis of why she made the decision she did? Good morning, Jonathan. Yeah, I thought the judge was thorough and fair. I thought she had some legitimate concerns about the plea deal. Uh, first, there is the issue of the plea relating to the gun charge, and that is heading for a diversion program, which is what we prosecutors use all the time, which says essentially, if you defendants stay clean for a couple years, stay off of drugs, if you get a job, then we'll drop the charges. But if you screw up, then we're going to file charges against you. We're going to decide whether or not uh, we're going to move ahead with the prosecution. Now, that is a prosecutor's decision. But Hunter Biden's lawyers wanted the judge to make that decision, not the Department of Justice. And why? Because they feared that a future Trump-led Department of Justice would go after him and would just trump up, to use a phrase, charges against him. So they wanted the power to go in the hands of the judge. And the judge said, I understand, but that's a separation of powers issue. Under the Constitution, you can't give me the power of prosecutors. So come back with something better that gives me the right to do that, or think of something else. Uh, because as of right now, I don't think I have that power. And a second issue they had was whether or not the plea deal covered other crimes like the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Does it give Hunter Biden immunity under that uh, potential crime that he's being investigated for? Hunter Biden's team said yes, and the government said no. So what we had there was a failure to communicate, and eventually the government won that argument. But this is going to come back in a few weeks, and they're going to have to come up with new language to appease the judge. And I think they will. I think eventually it will get worked out. And then when it gets signed, then let a whole new round of conspiracy theories and deep state uh, objections begin. So, Dave, let's go a little deeper on that idea of the potential protection against future prosecution. You know, let's say to your argument that a deal is signed six weeks or so from now, whenever it might be. Are they going to have to eliminate that sort of language? And then secondly, is this sort of a tell? I mean, look, we know there are active investigations still against Hunter Biden, uh, you know, criminally. And of course, here in Washington, uh, that what the House is doing. Um, is this sort of a tell, though, that maybe the DOJ has something else in the works that could pr prove to lead to a future prosecution? 
Yeah, it is. It is tell that the DOJ is working on other stuff. It doesn't mean it's going to lead to a criminal charge. Uh, but you can understand where Hunter Biden's lawyers are coming from. They want if they're going to enter into a plea deal, they want this whole thing to be over. Meanwhile, the government is saying, hey, if we have new evidence, we're going to keep pursuing it. And besides, uh, if you committed other crimes, we're not committing to give you any more immunity than under these two, the gun charge and the tax charge. So they should have worked this out in advance. There was a miscommunication, apparently. And so I think what's going to happen is the government's going to win out. Hunter Biden's lawyers will accept the plea deal just for the gun and the tax charges. And this will not end for Hunter Biden. Now, you know, the, the far right, they have lost their minds when it comes to Hunter Biden. They think that he is a international criminal mastermind and anything less than like life in prison would be just a slap on the wrist to them. But the reality is, after a five-year investigation, the most the government could come up with were these two relatively small charges and ultimately mm -hmm. probation for the most serious one. All right, we'll have more on the Hunter Biden matter later in the show. But, Dave, before you go, just real quick, give us your sense. As mentioned, the D.C. grand jury is expected to meet again today. I know it's impossible to, to sort of make, you know, predictions with any real degree of confidence. But what's your sense? Knowing the timing of the target letter, should you, do, should we anticipate a charge coming today? I think it is probable it happens today. I think that since the grand jury is meeting, it looks like this is the day. Now, it could get pushed to next week. Perhaps Trump's lawyers got a meeting with the Department of Justice and they're going to delay it. Or perhaps the grand jury has new evidence and all these documents that DOJ has from Bernie Carrick, who worked with Giuliani to try to overturn the election. There are all these reasons why it could be delayed. But I'm thinking that today's the day. And I think Chris Christie's right. That look from Mark Meadows, those comments look like a guy who may have flipped, and that's got to be Donald Trump's worst nightmare because his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, was in the room when it happened. And Trump doesn't use emails or text messages. So when you get a witness who's right next to him during this whole time, that's really, really bad for the former president. Yeah, Meadows, a key player indeed. And obviously, we will come back to this Trump indictment watch as the show goes on. We're so grateful. State Attorney for Palm Beach County, Dave Ehrenberg, thank you for starting us off today. Um, one more significant story before we go to break. There was a pretty scary moment in the Senate yesterday when Minority Leader Mitch McConnell appeared to suffer some sort of medical episode. The 81-year-old was speaking to reporters during his weekly press conference when he froze mid-sentence. Take a look. This week has been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of uh, uh... sort of a scary moment to watch here as we could sit here as he's still just standing there in silence. We're still playing the video for those of you who are in your car on the radio. McConnell was eventually ushered away by his Republican colleagues and taken back to his office. He seemed sort of dazed and, and uncertain of what he was there, where he was. McConnell, though, would return about 12 minutes later, saying he was fine. He also made light of the incident uh, a little later in the day, joking about when President Joe Biden tripped over a sandbag earlier this year. Could you address what happened at the start of the press conference and was it related to your injury from earlier this year where you suffered a concussion? Is that... No, well, I'm Fine, you're fully able to yeah. do your job. And, you know. Well, the president called to check on me. I told him I got a sandbag. Oh, nice. How are you feeling now, sir? Uh, How are you feeling now? I'm fine. Have you seen a doctor? Or are you going to Any see idea what happened? 
Huh? Any idea what happened? I'm fine. That's Dehydrated? <laughs> Got to watch those sandbags. So in March, of course, the longest serving leader in Senate history was hospitalized with a concussion and a broken rib after taking a bad fall at a Washington, D.C. hotel. Two sources also tell NBC News that McConnell tripped and fell while exiting a plane earlier this month, but was not seriously injured then. As for yesterday's incident, a staffer tells NBC News that the minority leader, quote, felt lightheaded and stepped away for a moment. They would not say whether or not he saw a doctor. You heard the reporter ask about dehydration. It has been extremely hot and humid here in Washington this week. But of course, the moment there is scary and raising questions about perhaps other more serious health ailments the minority leader is facing. Certainly, we're expecting to hear more about this in the days ahead. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, a rift is growing within the GOP over whether to advance an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Why some Republicans even are calling the move merely a political ploy. Plus, the latest on the legal battle brewing over the buoy barriers in the Rio Grande River down in Texas. What the DOJ is now demanding. Those stories and a check on sports and weather when we come right back. got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. Welcome back as we turn to some other headlines on a very busy Thursday morning. House Republicans are advancing efforts to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy raised the issue during a closed-door meeting yesterday, telling party members that they can only launch a probe if and when they secure enough evidence to justify one, which hasn't happened yet. That's according to several lawmakers who were in the room. They say McCarthy is also warning Republicans to not reveal what's been uncovered so far in their Biden family investigations. But some members say they don't want to hear impeachment talk, calling McCarthy's latest move a political game to distract the public. This is impeachment theater. We right now are starting the appropriations process, and there is not a consensus on the Republican side about what the numbers should be. Kevin McCarthy promised when he was running for speaker uh, one set of numbers, and then he uh, made an agreement with President Biden for the debt ceiling increase on another set of numbers. So right now, he has got to convince the public that he's credible and that Republicans have a duty to follow him. Um, the, 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 the party itself uh, is not in agreement, and we're going to have some real trouble passing appropriations bills. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. It sounds like you're saying that the speaker is talking about impeachment to try to distract conservatives like you from spending bills that you don't like? Well, not just me, but the public. Uh, what, what he's doing is he's saying there's a shiny object over here and we're really going to focus on that. We just need to get all these things done so that we can focus on the shiny object. Um, most of us are concerned about spending. It's a, it is an existential threat to this country. And so we want to move forward with the spending bills in a responsible way. 
pretty noteworthy to publicly take on the speaker of your own party like that. Other Republicans are also questioning starting an impeachment inquiry, saying it could impact elections, especially for those in swing districts. Some sad news now. Irish singer Sinead O'Connor has died at the age of 56. She rose to fame for her rendition of Prince's Nothing Compares to You, which catapulted to Billboard's number one hit single back in 1990. She was also known, of course, for courting controversy, including boycotting the Grammys and once ripping up a photo of the Pope on an episode of Saturday Night Live. A cause of death was not given. Remarkable talent, amazing voice, our thoughts with her family. Back here in the States, the Justice Department wants the floating barrier in the Rio Grande immediately removed while its lawsuit with Texas plays out in court. In a new filing, federal prosecutors said a preliminary injunction was needed to prevent irreparable harm to foreign relations, public safety, and navigation along that river. The Justice Department also wants the judge to block Governor Greg Abbott from building any additional unauthorized structures while this case is being litigated in court. Still ahead, we'll turn to sports. We'll bring you highlights from the Women's World Cup, where the U.S. national team took on a fierce Netherlands squad. Plus, a trade yesterday in Major League Baseball that all but guarantees that the game's best player is staying put. That's all straight ahead. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This didn't look so friendly. Not a good sign that she's still down. That's a lot of discussion. <laughs> it really is. And Lindsay Horan doesn't seem to want any part of that. She's still upset. Well, the best way to send a message is to put this ball in the back of the net if you're Lindsay Horan. In swinging ball, headed down, tied and won. She did it, Horan. Lindsay Horan gets even and ties the match at one apiece after a bruising tackle from her club teammate, who now plays, of course, for the Netherlands in the World Cup. Horan said after the match that the exchange fueled her to that goal, key, a key goal indeed, as the U.S. women's national team actually trailed at the half of this match for the first time since 2011. They had chances later in the match to win it, but couldn't convert, and they had to settle for the 1-1 draw. The women's team will take on Portugal very early next Tuesday morning. If they win that match, they automatically advance to the next round of the World Cup, being held, of course, in Australia and New Zealand. 
Now to Major League Baseball. The Los Angeles Angels are going all in on a push for the playoffs. The Halos yesterday made a deal with Chicago White Sox to acquire starting pitcher Lucas Giolito and reliever Reynaldo Lopez in exchange for two of the Angels' top minor league prospects. That deal means the game's best player, Shohei Otani, is now off the trade market. The Angels, who haven't been to the postseason since all the way back in 2014, are four games out of the wild card spot, so they're still within striking distance. And Otani's going to finish the season in Anaheim Red. L.A. is tied with Detroit for the longest current playoff drought. A couple other Major League Baseball notes. The Yankees got even with their crosstown rivals, the Mets, winning the Subway Series and getting some good news as they're getting Aaron Judge back, it looks like, for an important series this weekend against the Orioles. And Boston Red Sox keep winning, defeating the Atlanta Braves last night. Time now for the weather. And hey, look who's back. Meteorologist <laughs> Angie Lastman is here with the forecast. Angie, I know you're going to tell me it's hot. Yeah, spoiler alert, right? I don't think a lot of people are surprised by this, Jonathan. Great to be with you again this morning and back in action. Uh, we've got 136 million people under these heat alerts, and it stretches basically from the northeast through the Midwest into the plains and, of course, the southwest continuing their streak of heat. Here's those temperatures, though, from places like Minneapolis, 97 degrees, with a heat index value of 104 later today. We go south to Birmingham, heat index into the triple digits, too. And, of course, New York headed to 94 degrees today with that feels like temperature. Temperature at 102. If you're looking for some relief, it doesn't happen tomorrow either. We'll keep the triple digit feels like temperatures and highs into the low 90s through at least parts of the weekend into the Northeast. We'll get a little relief beyond that for the Midwest and the Northeast, but unfortunately the Southeast, not much relief in sight even into early next week. And we have severe weather expected across parts of the Northeast and the Midwest. 59 million people included in this, and it does include afternoon commutes for places like Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Boston, New York. We'll have that hazard of the large hail as well as the strong winds, but we'll also have some heavy rain expected, Jonathan, that could lead to flooding. So Angie, I'm here in Washington and I just saw on your screen heat index tomorrow of 109. Yep. I hope you got a personal fan that you can carry around from all your gigs tomorrow because you're going to need it. I'm going to have to buy several. Angie Latsman, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this morning. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, we will have much, much more on Hunter Biden's plea deal falling apart stunning developments yesterday in Delaware and we'll be joined by a reporter who was in the courtroom for yesterday's hearing way too early we'll be right back with that Welcome back to Way Too Early. It's just before 5:30 a.m. here on the East Coast, 2:30 out west. <clears throat> I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for being with us on a very busy news day. And there were some really surprising developments in a Delaware courtroom yesterday where Hunter Biden had been expected to plead guilty to misdemeanor tax charges. The judge instead said she could not accept the agreement, keeping the case alive. Hunter Biden then had to offer a pro forma not guilty plea. NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles has the latest. Hunter Biden entered a federal courthouse hoping to bring to an end his legal problems. It did not turn out that way. In a stunning move, a federal judge refusing to sign off on his controversial plea deal. Judge Mary Ellen Norieka, a Trump appointee, saying the agreement contained atypical provisions and she needed more information. Telling the lawyers, quote, I am not in a position to accept or reject this plea agreement, so I'm going to defer it. At one point, as the deal was unraveling, Biden's attorney declaring, quote, we'll rip it up. 
while prosecutors revealing their investigation into Hunter Biden is ongoing. And the deal would only absolve Hunter of legal issues between 2014 and 2019 and only on drugs, taxes and firearms charges. Hunter Biden pleading not guilty to the tax charges. The delay in the case, a further political headache for the White House. This case was handled independently, as all of you know, by the Justice Department under the leadership of a prosecutor appointed by the former president, President Trump. The original plea agreement sparking outrage from Republicans, blasting it as a sweetheart deal for the president's son, which allowed him to avoid prison time. The attorney general has said that U.S. Attorney David Weiss has full authority to bring whatever charges he wanted. But two IRS investigators turned whistleblowers recently told Congress that was not true. It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials, as well as other U.S. attorneys. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings at the center of House Republicans' growing investigations into the president that could lead to an impeachment inquiry. Impeachment inquiry is allowing Congress to get the information. The president has repeatedly denied he spoke to his son about his businesses. So far, the GOP providing no evidence of wrongdoing. And Hunter Biden also at the center of another controversy, with President Biden facing criticism for not publicly acknowledging his seventh grandchild, Hunter's daughter. I have six grandchildren and I'm crazy about them. Hunter Biden and the child's mother recently concluded a legal dispute. The White House has declined to discuss the issue. The president's refusal to acknowledge that granddaughter becoming more and more of a storyline in political circles. And certainly the Republicans have been in a Hunter Biden frenzy for years. Joining us now, national political correspondent for Axios, Alex Thompson. Alex, we're so glad you're here. Yesterday, of course, you were in the courtroom. You watched this remarkable scene unfold uh, in front of your very eyes. Take us in the room. Tell us about it. I mean, you say remarkable. It was true chaos. I mean, to give you a, a sense, you mentioned earlier how he entered a not guilty plea. Well, literally 30 minutes before that, he entered a guilty plea. And this was back and forth, back and forth. What was really extraordinary is that the uh, Hunter's team and the prosecution could not agree on what they had said they had agreed to. At several times, this this entire deal before the judge even rejected um, or at least temporarily said, I can't take this deal because of some other concerns about constitutionality and everything else. The deal almost collapsed two times before. At times, there were extraordinary uh, just collisions between the two sides with Hunter's lawyers snapping at the prosecution. Well, let's just rip it all up. And then another time, the prosecution just very sort of like gravely announcing, well, we have no deal. And then Hunter's lawyer is saying, oh, it's going to be null and void. They were already starting to schedule uh, next hearings on perhaps going to a full trial, jury trial over these charges before at the very last second, Hunter's team came in and said, can you just give us 10 more minutes, see if we can work this out? And you saw this extraordinary, extraordinary scrum with both sides basically going like retreating away from reporters who were trying to eavesdrop and then going back and forth, playing like mini diplomacy to see if they could amend the deal orally in real time. It was just I've never seen anything like it. So certainly we now know that you know, they could have another four to six odd weeks to try to strike some sort of agreement. It's, it's still very possible that they may, but it, it would seem to be if such a deal is struck, it's going to be a smaller one and it will provide fewer protections for against future prosecution. So talking to people in Hunter Biden's legal team, but also the political orbit of the president, uh, how worried are they that there could be other shoes to drop in the months ahead? 
I mean, I think this is why you saw them look so dejected and stunned yesterday, especially in the courtroom, is because the upshot of this whole thing is they just feel like it's never going to end. In fact, the only probably resolution you might ever get to this is the 2024 election. You know, it, it, seemingly we're having elections determine sort of, you know, ha- have such bleed through into the justice system. And I think that's what they realized. One of the most contentious moments of the hearing yesterday was over this specific issue. Now, the judge the judge asked, you know, is there an ongoing investigation? And the prosecution said, yes, there is. But they couldn't provide any other details. But she said, hypothetically, does this deal shield Hunter Biden from a potential FARA violation, which is a Foreign Agent Registration Act? And they said no. Now, you could just sort of see it was like the the entire Hunter team had just been sucker punched. And they were like, that's not our understanding. And that's when the deal almost really blew up because it was Hunter, Hunter Biden's team had felt they had an understanding that this deal was it, that this was over after five years of investigation. And there, to, to conclude, there's still so many avenues where he could face trouble. There's that, the, the FARA case. We know the House is going to still push on Hunter Biden. And now we have Donald Trump saying if he's elected again, he would use, he'd order his DOJ to target uh, the, the, the current president's son. Yeah, we're in a, a new place, certainly in terms of where politics and legal system are intersecting. Some great uh, on-the-ground reporting from national political correspondent for Axios, Alex Thompson. Alex, thank you so much for being here this morning. Still ahead, we're going to turn next to CNBC for a look at the morning's business headlines and an update on the markets, which are looking pretty good despite the latest rate hike from the Fed. We'll get much more on all of that next. I'm now for business. And for that, let's bring in our friend, CNBC's Jumana Brissetje, who joins us live from London. Jumana, great to see you today. Uh, Investors are looking ahead to what will be another busy day of earnings and economic data. Coming, of course, after the big headline, the Fed raised interest rates to a 22-year high. Tell us a little bit about that rate hike and what sort of preview from Jerome Powell as to what we might get next. Well, you're right, Don. There's a lot going on. But uh, Wall Street indices are poised to open up yet again in the green. There's been a lot of focus on the Dow. Uh, It has been on a tear recently. 13 positive days in a row. This puts it at its longest winning streak since 1987. So a lot of people have been talking about that stat. But as you said, the Fed was all the focus yesterday. They hiked 25 basis points, very well telegraphed, but also kept the door open to further interest rate hikes in the future. The markets took it in their stride. Uh, We also had earnings. Meta came out yesterday with their results. They beat on the top and the bottom line, also raised their guidance for third quarter. So that also was met well by the market. In terms of what we're watching out for today, we get uh, the preliminary reading for second quarter GDP, as well as the ECB interest rates decision over here in Europe. So turning to a couple other stories, we could potentially soon see a nationwide electric vehicle charging network. Tell us about that. How is that coming about? Yes, exactly. So the decision was prompted by the fact that many consumers are hesitant to buy electric vehicles because of a lack of infrastructure, namely there aren't enough chargers available. So what we've seen now is a bunch of automakers have got together, seven automakers, including BMW, General Motors, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes-Benz and Stellantis. They're pooling together resources and are going to invest $1 billion in a joint venture that will build 30,000 charging ports across the United States and Canada. These 
reports will be live from next summer. But it is not just a magnanimous decision, John. They're also looking to take on Tesla, as we know, the leader in that space, who already have about 18,000 charging ports available in the U.S. So this is one way that they can try to compete with Tesla on that front. And last one for you, Samsung has launched two new products meant to fend off competition from rivals. Give us a preview. Yeah, well, these two new products are foldable, not just a retro nod, but also they are thinner and lighter than the other models that are available on the market. Mm. The key two signature releases, the Galaxy Z Flip 5, which is the star of the show. Uh, when it closes, it takes on a square shape, so that will fit nicely in your pocket, John. Uh, and also, if you are somebody who likes taking selfies, the uh, it, it does have a large cover display when it opens up, so that's something to bear in mind for the selfie lovers out there. There's also Galaxy Fold 5, which is slightly more expensive. It's got a 6.2-inch display that can be folded out to reveal a 7.6-inch main screen. And foldables are, of course, a growing part of the market, not only because they look trendy and perhaps they're not to retro, but uh, the fact that in many cases you can actually run two apps at the same time on the same screen. So that differentiates them from other products on the market. And a lot of people are saying that Apple might follow suit. So let's see what they, what they come up with. I'm not much of a selfie person, but... I'll give word to Mike Barnacle. CNBC's Jumana Bersetche live from London. Thank you so very much. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, we've got some new reporting this morning on how some Republicans fear that they may be focusing too much on Hunter Biden. Why some, and let's repeat, some are now questioning the effectiveness of going after the president's son. We'll be right back. Welcome back. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer was asked yesterday about how Hunter Biden's surprise not guilty plea could impact his panel's ongoing investigations. Here's some of what he had to say to reporters. It doesn't impact my investigation because the Department of Justice and FBI haven't done a darn thing to help me. So I think, you know, what I've tried to say, and I know this is confusing, there's, there's really two investigations now. There's the crime, which House Oversight's investigating, and there's the cover-up, which a multitude of committees are involved in. The cover-up would be the, the DOJ giving him a sweetheart plea deal, the DOJ not charging him for money laundering or violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act or racketeering or tax evasion. Let's note that there hasn't been evidence provided for some of those claims. Joining us now, national political reporter for Politico, Natalie Allison. Natalie, great to see you this morning. I mean, it is obviously Hunter Biden in front of mind for so many in the political world right now after that plea deal fell apart in stunning fashion yesterday. But you've got some new reporting about how Republicans are viewing the entire saga. And we, we keep hearing from the likes of, of Comer and others who have made, frankly, Hunter Biden the primary mission of their lives, it seems. But not all Republicans feel that way. Walk us through it. That's right. There's clearly an appetite to do this right now among some Republicans. We have Donald Trump, who is, for all intents and purposes, still the standard bearer of the Republican Party, calling for this. We have the House Speaker saying, yeah, actually, this is something we might do. But even McCarthy himself sort of walked back the um, the imminence of this impeachment inquiry happening, um, what a lot of people interpreted earlier in the week. And then we spoke to uh, Congressman Richard Hudson. He is the, the chair of the House Republican campaign arm. He's from a, a swing state in North Carolina. Um, and he said, when we go back home, people aren't talking about Hunter Biden. They're talking about crime. They're talking about the economy. Um, this is probably not what we need to be focusing on right now. We, we spoke with another congressman, a Republican 
Republican from Texas, Roger Williams, who said, sure, I think Biden deserves to be impeached. She probably does. But that being said, this is just not the message that's going to move us forward. That's going to get us the White House in 24. That's going to help us win back the Senate. Um, you, you talk to Republican strategists and, and they're quick to mention in 1998 when House Republicans move forward with an impeachment inquiry against Bill Clinton that, you know, public polling shows was not really that popular with the general public. Um, they did pay a price for it. At least the House Republicans did. They thought there might be this this massive, you know, 20, 30 seat gain that year. They actually lost seats. And so it's a cautionary tale for Republicans. Um, we are still seeing a number of them showing some trepidation about jumping on this so fast in this election. Year. Well, polling backs up that viewpoint. The most Americans simply don't really care that much about what's happening uh, with Hunter Biden. And obviously all the the talk and the investigations into uh, the Biden family shadowing the you know, presidential campaign, which is underway. And you're heading to Iowa uh, later tonight uh, ahead of seeing a couple of candidates while you're there. And then tomorrow's annual Lincoln dinner, which a number of Republican hopefuls, including Donald Trump, are expected to attend. What are you expecting? Yeah, that's a big deal. So, so far, we've seen a, a few of these confabs, cattle calls, if you will, um, where all the, the Republican candidates have been there for the most part, but a lot of times they've been spread ac- across two days, something like that. This is all of the field, minus Chris Christie, who's essentially skipping Iowa. He just isn't bothering with Iowa. He knows it's not not worth his time, is is literally what he and his campaign says. Um, minus him, everyone is going to be there. They're all going to be on the same stage, 10-minute slots. Um, I'm told they're going to be held in separate rooms in the back to, I guess, avoid any kind of awkward um, interactions. Both Trump and DeSantis will be there. We'll have everyone else there. And this is really a time, I guess, to read the room and to see how um, people who attend state party events in Iowa, because it is a sold-out crowd, you know, 1,500 or so people, how they're going to respond. This comes on the heels of Trump, of course, essentially snubbing the Iowa governor, um, saying, you know, she she should have endorsed him and and he's the one who got her her current job. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, a state party, people who really like Governor Kim Reynolds, are going to respond to Trump on the stage at their party function. And, you know, there's no reason to believe they won't give him resounding applause because that's what he gets pretty much any time he walks into the room of Republican Party faithful. And there's certainly some Republicans who are going all in on Iowa. Tim Scott, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis. And we should also note that might be one of the first times we hear from Donald Trump after another indictment, if that does indeed come down this week. National political reporter for Politico, Natalie Allison, safe travels. Thank you. Enjoy Iowa and the dinner. Up next uh, here on Way Too Early, what House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is saying about Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's health after that scare we showed you earlier. And then coming up on Morning Joe, Donald Trump's legal team's bracing, as we just mentioned, for a possible third indictment, maybe as soon as today, as the grand jury here in Washington reconvenes. Plus, former Republican Mo Brooks has this message to Jack Smith. Call me. What the former Trump ally says Donald Trump wanted him to do and why he's surprised the special counsel hasn't reached out to him. And the Federal Reserve raised rates to their highest level in 22 years, despite easing inflation. What this means for consumers, Steve Ratner is standing by. Let's hope he brought his charts with him. Morning Joe is a few moments away. We got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Can't just can't. 
Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.